Manor. Hello, welcome to Tet Manor podcast. It's episode 13 of the 23-24 season. Uh, we have had an accidental hiatus. Uh, it's been eight league games since we last did a pod, which is horrendous. Um, the agenda looks terrifying. We're going to see how much we can kind of squeeze into an hour-ish. Um, usual suspects today. Uh, it's myself, James. We've got John. We've got Jack. We've got Connor. I'm not even saying hi to you today, guys, because <laughs> we've got that much to get through. <laughs> we're be that efficient. But everyone looks well. Um, happy days. Uh, what we're doing today, so lots of news to go through. Um, <laughs> the, the last game we did was when we beat Carlisle away and then we played Barnsley at home. That feels like a long, a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, we will address the elephant in the room. That is uh, the elephant being Des Buckingham at some point um, through talking through all the um, all the games. Um, we'll probably dot around the games and just talk about general performances as well. Uh, we'll wrap up League One um, and then we'll look ahead to Pompey on Saturday. But uh, let's get let's get into it. Um, let's start with the fans forum then. So after much kind of discussion and it's been widely publicized that this was agreed that it would be a thing and the club said they would do it and then it's been delayed and put off and not really acknowledged for a while. Um, but it's there. Do you, Jack, do you think it's because of all of the kind of prior context, this is, and where Oxford are at now, the club with the performances, lack of comms, this is going to be quite an interesting fans forum, isn't it? It's going to be um, potentially quite lively, I think, especially if results into it are uh, less than good. I think there's a lot of frustration in the fan bases we've talked about before. Um, the fact that the club themselves haven't advertised this forum is it's very much an Oxfox and supporters panel-led thing, but you would have still expected the club to perhaps at least have yeah. put it on the website once. Um, I think it... it it has the possibility that it could get aggressive is the wrong word, but I think there could be some anger that comes out amongst some people, which to be honest is better than some questions you get at fans forum. Like, do you like cheese on your breakfast? Like we, there are some, there are some hard questions to be asked and it'll be interesting to see how much the likes of Tim Williams, are, you know, want to put out yeah. uh, or whether they'll be very kind of politician and not really answer anything. Yeah, it's on, it's on March the 7th at half six um, for an hour and a half at the Kassam. I mean, um, they, they can't get hammered for the team's performances. Like, it, they've, they have invested in players. It's kind of, as we'll get onto, it's clearly a, more of a management issue. All right, you can, you can criticise them around, possibly around the structures, possible getting into that discussion, the sort of, cock up around Chris Hackett but I don't think there's any point in anyone giving them pelters over the team's performance it's not, it's not I don't think it's much. so much I, I'm more the angle I was going at with the context was more the comms side of things and just trying to understand the club's perspective on why if it feels like there's more of a disconnect than we've had for a few years and that's been highlighted by um, you know some of the things we've heard from Paul Peros from Oxfox where it's clear that there's a lot of effort being put in to try and re-establish that connection and the club, it feels like a little bit like they've been resisting it. And it it feels, even yeah, to, to Jack's point though, even with this, Oxfox have put a statement out saying 
um, we're working on streaming arrangements and stuff like that. It shouldn't be Oxfox putting that stuff out for me. It should be the club that's going to make it an accessible thing for everyone to tune into. But I don't know. There's, yeah. It's definitely part of a market shift in the way they want to try and do comms. I think for me, I'd be sort of kind of wanting to say, well, I think somehow we need to sort of take back this top 30 comment or use it as a way of challenging to say, is how you're trying to do things at the moment part of trying to move to that way of doing thing or position you want to get to? It just feels that they're trying to sort of, they're doing their own strategy, that's fine. I don't have a problem with with them having an approach that they decide what it is, but it's recognising that football clubs aren't entities where you can... You have to, they are a little bit different. You don't need to bend over backwards all the time. Yeah. There's, there's a happy medium to find, and I think they're not really getting the mark on that. And Connor, so Grant Ferguson and uh, Tim Williams will be there answering questions. Um, people can submit questions through to Oxfox. If you hit hit up the Oxford Oxfox website, you'll find some details on how to do that. Connor, if you were there, what would you be asking? Put you on the spot. <laughs> what would I be asking? Well... I think, Would it be what Jack said about cheese, favourite cheese or something? Or Well, no, I mean, obviously obviously not. I mean, I, there'd be some stadium questions and things like that, but I think ultimately I think one of the big ones for me is this idea of engagement with fans. Um, and I think this kind of, you know, kind of points me on to one of the things I've uh, mentioned to you guys in the past about a colleague of mine that um, owns a company called the Think Fan Engagement Index, Kevin Rye. And... Um, he conducts research across the EFL to basically investigate um, different levels of fan engagement across all the clubs in the 92. Um, and he does it by measuring publicly available information. So he looks at the dialogue between the relationship between clubs and their fans and the communication between those two entities. He looks at the governance. So the mechanisms that are put in place to allow that to happen. And then he looks at transparency. So is that information publicly available now? off the back of the 2021-22 season, which was the last index he's created and he's working on the next one. So he missed a season out. Um, Oxford scored 80th out of 92 on that. And for him, fan engagement is about that relationship between the fan and the club. And it's about the idea that fans being the stakeholder and a key stakeholder at that. So I'd like to ask a question about how much they value fans as a stakeholder um, and are they willing to engage in more conversations with a fan base? And I don't mean perhaps just those that are at the uh, the forum, specifically more like supporters organisations like Oxfox, for example, or the supporters panel as well. And actually, how much of a say do supporters have on the day-to-day running of a club? And the answer at the moment clearly is not very much. However, if they want to improve themselves and actually perhaps create so, some kind of environment where fans are beginning to feel a little bit more... Um, valued, let's say, then perhaps they should start to move towards a model that actually does incorporate the voices of spectators um, and support yeah. groups. Because I do feel like this is becoming a bit of a critical juncture, I think, at the moment in the club, where I think a lot Wasn't of fans there are another... frustrated. Isn't there another fan, fan group that sh- is meant to be doing stuff or being active? I don't know where it's what's happened with it. That might just be my ignorance more than anything else. Does anyone we've know what Oxfox I'm referring and to? And then we've got the and we've got the. It was the one panel. that was closer. Maybe it was the supporters panel. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I, yeah your point uh, yeah. stands. I think it, it's interesting that for me, Mister Mister Mac 
has gone quite quiet in recent weeks as well. And he's someone that's lived in Oxford many years and kind mm. of did badge himself as, you know, I've lived in Oxford for a couple of decades. I know the city, I know the people, I'm close to the club. And he was part of the community. We haven't ha- heard too much from him. And then also, Jack, we've just heard Chris Williams is um, leaving the club, which is interesting. And in his post that he put out, was it in the programme notes? or Yeah. He said, there were a lot of few people picked up on it, but looking forward to returning as a customer. And the word customer was, was interesting, was it not? Or do, are we reading too much into it? I think it was deliberately put there for someone who's been the inner workings of the club for so long and is a fan and makes it clear he's a fan at times. I think um, it's a deliberate... He he will be fully aware of the conversations that were had around the term customer when Tim Williams first used it. So mm. I think it's a deliberate um, insert of it, whether it's a dig, whether it's a thing to create discussion, because ultimately his job, whilst he is leaving it, is to create discussion as head of media, mm. or whether it's a slip of the tongue because it's in his head. I don't know. But naturally, it has got people talking just because of the connotations and the kind of annoyance of the term customer being used previously. I think we've got yeah. to acknowledge, though, that football fans generally are a heterogeneous group. We are not just all, you know, active supporters like ourselves who are slightly probably more involved than others. You know, we do have a customer base, i.e. those who do consume differently to ourselves, perhaps, but the way in which it's been branded around kind of more broadly to try and describe a, a larger population of our fan base is probably something that, that rubs people up the wrong way. And I can see why that does so. Particularly someone like Chris, for example, who has you know been around the club, as Jack said, for a long period of time. So I think it was deliberately put there. I think some people will blow it out of proportion more than others. Yeah. Based yeah. on their own position. It, it, it's just one of them where I feel a bit uneasy about people that are fans that work at the club kind of departing or being seemingly less vocal because then it but it, because that disconnect between the club and the fans seems to be getting wider and wider but maybe again it's one of those things and others have said if performances on the pitch are right up there how much are you focusing on all of this stuff at the same time I think um, the thing it's is all like well, progression it's all change it's all yeah ultimately how many fans can normally tell you the head uh, the name of their head of media at their club? Not very many. We kind of know it because Chris has been in the club for two yeah. decades, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, sometimes a shake up in that department is is positive. And don't they have that, an agency in as well? Yeah, I think that's for yeah. stadium stuff, which obviously did get better prior to the application going in. And I think this, it seems to be. Um, suggested that the chap coming in to replace Chris is coming from Scottish football so you know we'll have a different viewpoint on things so you know I, I think that if, if Chris Williams had been at the club two seasons and was going and, and had made something that could be construed as a dig I think there'd be less kind of uproar I think there's probably more of an emotional attachment for people because he's been around so long um, and because the general feeling of apathy is around I think you, you quickly get to this is a disaster rather than a um, yeah a yeah of the curtains. It's, it's a good point. You've got to be careful about finding things to like compile a narrative that is sort of it doesn't come from nowhere. The apathy and the feeling, but 
some of these things are just natural coming to an end, needing to freshen things up, new people coming in, especially in like comms and branding and that stuff. People have their own people they want to come in, they've worked with before. It's it's probably a natural progression from that side of things. Um, coming back to the sort of whole board discussion, I think when we put, I think Jack, you put out a really good sort of tweet to kind of get a discussion going. I, I think I was quite taken by the sort of point someone made that was about the fan base has been sort of taken a bit for granted around pushing for the stadium and you know write to your write to your councillors everyone get behind it and then it's just sort of that drop off quiet yeah. sort of oh no actually we don't really want to kind of engage in the sort of ways that you've responded to like the fans forum is a good example like i can absolutely understand why the club thinks that is quite a drain on time and resources because they've got to do a lot of pre- preparation for it but on the other hand, it's do they value what, how people respond to it and make that decision accordingly? So I think you've got to find a way where they need to use this fans forum to kind of reset to a point and then get a bit more kind of consistent to a sort of medium amount on all this stuff rather yeah. than bowing to the expectations from some people that they need to be everything to everyone. Because it comes back to this yeah. point, and I think a few of us have made, you need to be focused on running the club, going hell for leather on the stadium but don't let things like marketing the games effectively, doing everything you can to try and improve the atmosphere at the Kassam when, let's be honest, a lot of us have almost mentally checked out of it already mm. thinking about the new stadium. So I think it's all yeah. these sort of, they just need to find a better place to sort of think and approach it. But I, I yeah. don't have any problem with them pursuing a different strategy. No, I think... Um... You're right. There was lots of good engagement with that tweet, and that was the one that stuck with me as well. It felt like there was a lot of calls on fans to really get behind and support. And I know it is the stadium issue. It is. It's in our own interest to do that. But there, it did feel a little bit like, okay, it's please keep talking to us, keep the comms going, keep us up to date with where things are at within reason. But. I've- you know, I think yeah. the five-minute fans forum that used to happen quite regularly was was really useful and was a great outlet. And I think that was a really good demonstration of openness that the club did have for that period of time. However, you know, as we've seen with some of the comments that have been made, that, that seems to be something that is in the past. And that is unfortunate because I do think that level of openness where it can yeah, be measured... they can prepare for that IE, as well. Exactly, not- it can be measured, yeah. They, they then have the control still over how much they actually offer and how much they give because, again, yeah. we know we know that football clubs are not necessarily open books and, as I've always argued, neither should they be necessarily to the nth degree. However, a you know an outlet like 5 Minutes Fans Forum, again, is something that does keep people on side because people who want to know that information are allowed to actually have access to it and that is the important part here. It is about whether or not you know they have the choice to access it, and the club are willing to give up a five minutes of their time to go ahead and do it, and they can plan for it, like you said. Yeah. So that I think is a perfect outlet, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to come back. But if I was at the fans' forum, going back to your question you asked me about ten minutes ago, I would certainly be asking about that as well, and being like, you know, is well, you this want something like this that back once a quarter or every couple of months? Yeah, I, I'm. I give. I give the club benefit of the doubt say having to do it every two weeks or whatever i get i get where they're coming from in a quite brutal comms strategy side of things yeah um might as well i'm going to jump around a bit but the it all feels weird about the tone of everything given the planning application i suppose there's a big delay in it but the planning application has gone in 
for yeah eco-friendly all electric sixteen thousand capacity stadium isn't it the first electric full electric stadium mm-hmm. ever to be kind of proposed or planned in um including a 180 bed hotel conference event space health and well-being center um yeah it all it's as as expected it just feels like we should be, all be more positive and excited about everything and I exactly am, james with time, your tone of voice is, is saying it because that's the thing is like you know we we should be so excited about this I mean, this is brilliant that we've i mean to be fair it is brilliant that we finally got this in i mean let's not you know let's let's yeah, I yeah. Know we've just kind of had a, not a moan for the last 10 minutes. I wouldn't say we were moaning, but at, th- at this stage to, to see this now being submitted is is clearly an excellent step in the right direction. And it's great to see yeah, it. Absolutely. It, it's they, just, they just missed an opportunity to kind of build up some buzz around it. It, it going in. And yeah, it would like, I think there's a nervousness about it as well, which is kind of like everyone's interpreting a slight delay as, oh God, everything's, there's a big problem. Whereas, if they just needed a couple more weeks to get everything right, that's the kind of rash, rational response to it and should be like, oh, that's fine. But it, this is where you're kind of, now is the time to communicate like hell to people because it's such an important point. You can sort of drop things off a bit when it's less of an important time. And let's be honest, the result's a lot better. <laughs> like it, it might, uh, we, I guess as well, we don't, they're having to do a separate planning application to build a bridge as part of the development which they maybe weren't planning to do it. You never know if they were working all of that through and it had the potential to scupper things. We don't know, do we? Well, maybe we'll find out in the future and it will will make a bit more sense to us. But yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Just just linking the, the fans forum and the stadium element there, you asked Connor what question he'd ask. I think there's one area about the stadium that we haven't got that much clarity or detail on. And is who and how is it being financed? Because there's been a yeah. lot of talk about, oh, it's, you know, the, the, the owners are putting some in. Are they really stumping up 100 million of their own money? And wasn't, wasn't there stuff about not having to pay it back until we got yeah, to. Yeah, but it's private... been a lot of kind of words without any um, substance mm. so far. I'd just like to see a little bit more on the finance side of it. I think that's the kind of. We've been so locked into Kassam and paying rent, etc. We've heard a lot of words about it being the future of the club is secure and it won't be a um, tenancy with a owner that could sell us and all the rest of it. But Oxfox are definitely talking to the club, yeah, aren't they, about just... all of that stuff to get assurances on everything. And Paul Paris that, has handled it, hasn't he? Isn't that the only, isn't that all that matters really? That it does have that structure in place so that we can't end up like a derby where someone sells off the stadium to another entity and it sort of gets detached from the club and yeah, you end up where we are. Um, in that element, yeah, I'm just thinking about the actual building, the project costs, if Bakri and co sold and technically the debt is against the football club of 40 million left to pay, just, you know, it's that kind of so element. So we have to, to pick it. that up. And yeah, We're not going to see contracts, etc. but it'd just be nice to hear more than a... Agree. A little yeah. buy, if you buy yeah. the club, you take on the debt attached to it. Yeah, but so does yeah. that make us yeah. un, unattainable for someone in the future, for example? Because we've seen mm-hmm. people not wanting to buy the club because they can't get a stadium off Kassam. So that, that's that's just a line of thought that's crept into my mind more recently. Probably summing up yeah. the general apathy feeling of I'm looking for kind of panic yeah. situation. Well, I um, don't think you are, Jack, though. I think it's a valid concern to have, to be fair. I mean, especially because... 
this project is branded as something that's a long-term sustainability project for the club, but it may not be financially sustainable depending on how it's financed and or, or you know what the term of the loans or the term of the borrowing. Not financially sustainable as a middling league one club with eight to ten thousand sitting in it. Yeah, is, is yeah, probably yeah, yeah. where my head's at. So it all, it all, yeah. it's all kind of a a linked thing, and it is an opportunity for people to ask these questions. Well, that's the thing. I'd be fascinated if people do ask those questions, and I'd love to know the answers to them to see whether or not how, or, or rather how Tim and Grant would actually react to a question like that. That's probably slightly more technical than than most, perhaps. Um, that might be asked around it. I mean, it's a shame I can't actually make the fans forum because uh, I'm at work that evening. But I can't get. Well, I won't be able to get there. So it's a shame I can't go because I'd like to have, have given my two cents. Been the man a rep. Yeah, well, I, I kind of think that as well. <laughs> it's a shame I can't go because I would be there flag. if I physically could make it. Banana yeah, man. Um, <laughs> banana man. Throwback. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Back I forgot banana, banana man went to <sighs> Wembley. He did. Weird times. I was, I was talking to a Sutherland fan the other day. He was like, oh, I forgot you were at the playoff final. I was like, well, we were, but we weren't really. It didn't feel <laughs> yeah. like we were. Banana Man. I told him Banana Man. He was like, what are you on about? I was like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, other news. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Joey, Joey Beecham's brother, Luke, um, has set up a foundation in his name. Um, he's done a really good job at that. So it, it's going to provide those in need with mental health support and raise awareness. And every, um, I think Oxfox are doing an initiative where um, they're adding a pound from the Oxfox um, budget for every pound donated up to the first 250. I think they've already potentially gone past that mark, but there's a crowdfunder uh, link that you'll find on the Oxfox website. And obviously, be great for everyone to get involved in that um support support joey's family and also those that are in need and then exciting news the the terrorists have obviously released that retro 1996 throwback shirt which i've been clawing at i don't know if you guys remember but i instantly sent the club something not just the club but the terrorists something along these lines as soon as um we had the horrible news about joey because i just thought it was something that needed to be done and it's great to see that they were putting the shirt up for for sale um, with the eleven on the back, and eleven quid from that was going to go to the foundation as well. I have purchased one. I'm very excited. It was, I think, it was my first Oxford shirt. Was it anyone else's? That was the year I was born, <laughs> so uh, I oh, don't think I had it. I've got the child's Sorry, version, which surprisingly doesn't fit anymore. That's my. I had the kids' version. Thanks, Jack. You think I was in Excel? <laughs> have been in uh, medium boys have been nine years old um yeah. ancient mate john Ford. isn't it it looks good mcwain's rocking it in the marketing yeah. shots no it, it, it's definitely for, it's the missing kit for well for me definitely um, did you have the new balance one that followed no i i think my first kit was like carlotti late, late 1990s <laughs> Carlotti TFG special. Um, yeah. In our other news, Luke Taylor um, has rejoined the club. Uh, someone that's very familiar to Oxford, but also to 
You. Um, me, yes, me. and But also um, Des specifically, I haven't worked with him in a few feel, different places. I feel like this item wouldn't be in these notes <laughs> if you didn't know him from school. Because let's, it would. To, to Jack's point, who knows who the head of athletic performance is at their clubs? Not that I'm all for Luke Taylor getting involved. Seems like he's a great guy. But <laughs> it is, But he was on, he was being interviewed by Jerome pre-match before okay, the... I'm not being mean to Luke, just to in case of yeah. the odd chance you have to listen. Luke, please come on the but... pod and don't listen to John. Um, <laughs> Luke just... spoke really well with Jerome, and I, I tuned in about. I must have been 30 seconds into the interview, and I was hearing Jerome talk, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? He sounds like he knows what he's on about." But then, um, the thing that is topical, though, a lot of we'll get to performances and stuff in a bit, but obviously, Luke's there, and he needs to be thinking about. How what the players are eating, what how they're training, what they're doing in the gym on the grass, how they're doing rehab, how that all aligns with different matches and different periods of time and breaks and everything else. But a lot of what has been really doing my nut in with games recently is the lack of intensity and energy. So if Luke's here to do anything that's going to really help with that, um, then I'm delighted. <laughs> I think when I messaged him on um, sent him a ping when I saw it, that was. Tongue in cheek, that was my message to him. It was like, um, yeah, he didn't respond at that point, but it's fine. Well, Sorry, someone, Luke. someone needs to stop players late in games making five five players in a row making shocking mistakes and conceding poor goals, and that's in part fitness. So yeah, bring um, it on. Should we get into? Let's. You know what? That's a great segue because we just we want to get into it, don't we? The only thing that we still had transfer news on here because we haven't done a pod since, <laughs> since January. <laughs> the 26th uh, of February. <laughs> yeah, Jay Mateto joined. Um, oh, we'll get on to that. him in a minute. Yeah, and then um, interesting one though, Gatlin's gone to Barnet, which I think is a move that they're second in the conference at the moment, pushing at the top. He's already got a couple of goals, hasn't he? Um, good move all round. Perfect. Um, good goals as well. Kept on. Good couple of finishes yeah, yeah. for him. Absolutely. Which is good. I think it's brilliant for him. I mean, I've been one of his biggest critics as documented on this podcast, but I, I think he's so far, he's done really well. And I think it's it's good. It's only positive, isn't it? How should we do this? This So the games that we have been in past, just so the listeners know, since we've done our last pod, we've had Bristol Rovers away. <laughs> read them out. I know, I'm just going to read them out and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Bristol Rovers away. Pompey at home, Reading at home, Blackpool away, Wigan at home, Wickham away, Northampton at home, and then Orient at home. Um, Right, Uh, starting, we got a corner at Bristol Rovers away in the first. We used to do that a lot on these pods, didn't we? We literally. I I, I do miss the some of the micro analysis times. It It was terrible. Absolutely dissect games. We're more self-aware these days. The simple point, reading all those names out, is that. The progression in the team, how they're playing, has isn't been, a thing. Isn't a thing. Like, <laughs> and that's that's what sort of I kind of find really quite worrying as to where we are. That we're past the injury stage. That might yeah. have been a factor in Des not being able to quite, you know, grip the team from moment one and impact and impose a style and all that sort of thing. But he is kind of through that period where it's like, no, you've had plenty of time, and you could do, you could start on with when we haven't got the ball or with the ball and list. I mean, I've written down five or six bullets for each, where I'm just like, 
these are big problems and the team's not showing signs of sort of developing a style an identity or, a, or an approach in probably either of those things um there are spells like i'm, I'm not being wholly negative for sure but it, it's just not there's just not and then you throw in the sort of shocking goals we can see in recent games and that's something we can just rant about and be angry and annoyed about but for me it's the progression <laughs> point and that the, seems to be the, getting worse and the worse. stuff connor like about i don't i wrote stuff about this but like the predictable factor for me is that there is no predictable <laughs> the predictable factor is stuff like we're sitting deep there's a slow build-up um mm. there's not really any consistency with how we play through the lines or move forward and the quality up top in large parts of games has just not been there like people look hot it's like a hot potato style type of thing but what do you think mm. it's fair because a lot of people are talking a lot of people calling in to wasn't at the game are talking mm. about identity and a lack of mm. like what is his style he got grilled by nathan on a little bit on the post-match as well after orient about it and Des kind of bit as well slightly <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the only the only game out of those nine that you just listed <laughs> was eight, 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 eight. Yeah, eight. Sorry, <laughs> the um, the only game that I actually can really pinpoint where I thought, okay, this is stylistically what Des wants wants on the side is Northampton, because I can assure well, you now, but we, we played in come, we played we, an insane if, if formation. We would, if we would have come away with with that 2-1 win and we wouldn't have conceded last minute, people on the radio would not have been coming on and complaining or people would not have started raising their eyebrows and etc, etc, etc. Because I have to say, when I was watching that game live, as a fan who appreciates possession-based football and actually, you know, a slow build-up and then when you reach the final third, you then kick up that next gear, I thought we did that pretty well against Northampton on multiple occasions. They were so awful, Connor. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, but I, in that that's, game, that, that's irrelevant, James. Abs. That's irrelevant. You can only you can only beat the team who's in front of you, and I think at that point well, they didn't beat them, mind you. But <laughs> I think that game, stylistically and from an identity perspective, perhaps was more indicative of what Buckingham would like us to play like, and that was an interesting lineup as well with with the way that um, Greg Lee was playing on the left, etc. You know, higher up the pitch, you know, the side was slightly different, but. I do, I do agree with you that it's, it's kind of you don't really know what you're going to get every game. I mean, because the way we played against Leighton Orient was not the same way we played against um, Northampton. And but, I get obviously you don't play the same way against every side because you have to play differently to match, you know, to go against but, another side. You can't if I bring, play the same way. But there's not if I bring much of it. Sorry, Jack. The the piece around us because I agree with what Connor's saying about Northampton, but. This whole thing about us starting well, like in that game, Murphy scored a belter, didn't he? On the right hand side, early yes. on, fifth, sixth minute, or whatever it was. And then, mm. but this thing about not managing games, sitting back, it, again, we're, we're the last to get to the, the points on this because it's been well documented elsewhere. But, Jack, what are your. <laughs> I'm not sure how much. I buy into managing games because a lot of people keep saying, mm. "Oh, we were so good at Orient away, and that like that was uh, Craig Shaw and Rodriguez was amazing, and we almost ballsed up that lead." So mm. our management of games has been quite poor, exactly for, for long longer elements of the season than the last nine to ten games. 
I think for me, the the stylistic point and the what, what is the plan, I think you can see in each game what the plan is, but the plan seems to fade very quickly when something changes in the games. If we go behind, there's almost like a panic five minutes. If we concede, even when we score to take the lead, the consistency of what we have been doing to the point of scoring then seems to change straight away. So I think in some of these games, it's been, we've played some really good football at times. There's been some good goal scores and good moves. We have seen elements of trying to get the ball to the wide players and uh, getting crosses in the box, etc. You know, the goal that Goodwin scored the other night was the kind of goal you think, OK, we signed a target man striker. That's the how header. we're going to play. Yeah. Exactly, the header and the Dale cross. But then at other times, we've just looked like some of the players have never, never met each other before. Some players look to look look a little confused about positionally what they're supposed to be doing, depending on whether we're winning, losing or drawing. The Northampton mm-hmm. equaliser being case in point of you pause that when Sam Long plays the ball backwards and we're 2-1 up with five minutes to go and we've got nine players or eight players in the opposition half. The, it it just feels all a little bit confused. I'm not convinced the players have bought into what the overall plan is supposed to be. I do think there is one. There, are, there is obviously one. No manager just goes, yeah, lads, go and play football, see what happens. But I'm not yeah. sure the mm-hmm. players have quite come on the journey to use a kind of classic phrase. Can we pin everything on a system or can we pin everything on Des and not start to critically analyse some of the performances of the players? Because I'm not being funny. Not every player in that team is covered themselves in glory in the last eight games. Sorry, do you want you know, to we... critically analyse players? Well, yeah. That's what we're here to do. I think there has... yeah. yeah, I think there are there are some players that are clearly underperforming and I think it harks back to, you know, I'm sure George Alec won't mind me repeating what he said this, you know, over the last few podcasts on the dub where he says things around, you know, we have been overperforming for a large part of the early stages of the season, particularly under Manning. And it seems like actually some of those players that perhaps were hitting those heights are, you know, starting to, to dwindle off. I mean, I look at Rodriguez being one of those. Yeah, but I think that, he's been that was more poor. outperforming like XG, wasn't it? Which was yeah. a thing. Less about like outperforming because the, the quality of the squad, based on the quality of this, when you look at the quality of this league and actually the performances, the top end beyond that Peterborough game away, think about Pompey at home, the two all. That was a terrible game. Pompey was shite and we were shite and it was two all. And like I went away thinking that is a that is a, it's a great summary of where League One is at this season. Um I'll probably take that again on Saturday, by the way. But I don't I'm not buying the the squad beyond I think Sam Long's been called out a lot and he goes in cycles, doesn't he, of kind of pulling himself back doing with some good performances, but then getting back into this state again and again, I think he's always going to be blessed with that as being homegrown. But is there anyone else, Connor, that you feel has been really struggling of late? Do you, and also, if the players are struggling, is that back to tactics, shape, a lack of mm. motivation due to what's going on behind the scenes? And then the question I have, sorry, I'm going to go off on one, but the question I have more so when I was thinking about this is with, Des, the whole backroom team, when Manning came in, he brought a lot of his people with him, a structure with him, a way of thinking where he he's a bit flat as an individual. Manning is a bit robotic, as we knew. 
Des isn't too far away from that. It's like a, it seems like a, a bit of a mold there. But where Manning might have had Chris Hogg getting to grips with the players, spending more time with them, a, a nice balance of kind of coaching stuff and everything else around the place, the balance might have been a lot better. And Des feels like maybe he's been in different roles in the City group where he's been in, had a much better structure around him. Whereas now he's come here. And it's just not hitting home. But is it too much to look at that? That's more, I'm saying that more because he probably needs more support in that, is my thinking. Well, I, I totally agree. I think he does. And I mean, this is why when we do eventually get onto the Des in, Des out debate, which I still think is ridiculous that we're even talking about that, is the point that, well, perhaps maybe at the end of this season, regardless of where we finish, whether we finish eighth or we finish fifth, it's like, well, are we going to see changes in the backroom staff into next year? You know, are we going to see some, you know, individuals coming in to bolster um, certain areas that he obviously needs support with? Because I don't know how many other football clubs there are in the country that only have two coaches, three coaches that work with the squad full time. They normally have more than that. So again, you know, it's like how much support is he actually getting on his day-to-day job and running in the club? But again, going back to the original question, which what you said was the players, I just don't think we can sit here and, you know, slate Des Buckingham and perhaps his system of play without actually having a little bit of a consciousness that there are some players out there who are not performing to the levels that they should be. And also, you know, I don't want to make any I don't want to make any more excuses, but I think in recent performances, I think it's a shame we've really, really, really missed Elliot Moore. I think that's been blatantly obvious at the back, despite how well Negru has played at times. Um, I think that leadership that he brings to the side and the overall calmness, particularly when it comes to those kind of last minute back against the wall defending situations, it, we have missed him massively. If I if I take a quote from JB, he won't mind me name dropping him. JB <laughs> goes to every game, home and away, doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Um, he from he York, talked about mind you. from York, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the guy is crazy. Um, but he was saying that since Des took over, this is John in a message with us. Um, he's noticing that kind of individual performances were seemingly kind of going downhill. But as time has gone on and the games have gone on, the whole team as a collective seemed to be deteriorating slightly. So it's, and it also the, the lack of quality out there and the, the sheer amount of individual mistakes that are being made. Um, John, what are your general thoughts on all of that? So I wrote down this similar point around and why I'm getting increasingly concerned is that the collective across the team does seem to be doing exactly that, dragging others down on top of players such as Ruben, McGuane, Bowden, underperforming, to name just some, Sam Long, obviously another one. Um so you're not seeing those and generally you're not seeing individual performances dragging I mean Goodrum's the only one that's really having moments as we talked about yeah. a lot there aren't any others that are able to do something that just means the rest of the team gets a bit of a pass and moves on to the next one um, so that's kind of fallen away um, what I do think is is on Des is the things like for example and I, always, and I was banging about the midfield but I do think it's critical and doesn't seem to have got Matete worked out as to what how he's going to maximise his ability because he's clearly 
He didn't have a great game against Dorian, class did he? Player yeah. Against Blackpool, he came on and I was like, Christ, he's the real deal because he was <laughs> surging a bit, but then putting the ball quickly into the space of the, a better player to move it. I thought that's exactly what we've been missing. That's what McGuane and Brannigan can't really do as well. And then he's been poor for the rest of the games, really. But for us, if if we can't get the attacking stuff to quite click, then the focus should be immediately on how do we make the team more solid when we're out off the ball in terms of the midfield. Our midfield gets bypassed too easily. The amount of games we've played, Reading, Wigan, God. Um, Northampton, the ball gets moved significant distances without yeah. any, seeming any of us, our players, in the way. So that's the thing. Some of the behaviours, I'm not talking about the press and people get very obsessed with the press. You can press in certain moments. We're clearly not going to be a high-pressing team that presses all the time. But that seems to have fallen away from kind of that sort of more obvious behaviours. And I just seem to think there's just a lot of individual errors. The decision-making, and I think that's coming back to the collective point, the amount of times we will sort of now just aimlessly sort of move the ball on or pass it not with any urgency in the right sort of space all these things I think are more about like okay attacking we can't make it work let's focus on when we haven't got the ball how do we get ourselves into a setup that countless teams against us are able to do just to shut that team off so I would I'd flip, flip to that and then work from that and I don't see any evidence of that happening no and I, I still, I am, by the way, I'm in the camp of Des, regardless of how the season finishes out and if it continues to be like it is now, we finish 12th. I'm still all for him having a summer to reset, maybe get a couple more staff in, having a window, having a pre-season, seeing what he can actually do because he, he will need that. Um, and I think the fans need to just stop <laughs> calling for his head but that doesn't mean that they can't um they can't critique and talk about because there are things in what we've talked about here like even with the performances of players he still has to motivate he has to still energize you still can expect him to be a bit more energetic on the touchline um what was the orient no cliche I, though isn't it no, no it's, it's yeah, bollocks it, no it's, it's bollocks. not it, it's not no, all it is. If it's, so, it, it's so cliche playing. that idea of having someone flapping their arms around on the touchline. He doesn't, he he doesn't have to do more that. Energized. He, he yeah, doesn't well, have to do the Richie like. Wellens gets an. <laughs> doesn't no, need to do it, that. No, it's it's like surely you feel some level of emotion when things are going against you, and you can do something so <laughs> to show the fans around you that you're as engaged as they are in what's happening in front. Whether it's a refereeing decision or whether it's something. <laughs> well, yeah. Connor, the fuck, that's the fucking point, isn't it? It's just like... Well, yeah, they're I, not. I, I want, and also, it comes back to the post-match. If everything is flat all the time and placid, the guy won't last because he'll constantly get absolutely hounded to the nth degree and fans have power. But then, like, if, equally, if the fans get to why a point... Does, why does Des have to change for his environment? Des is coming in to change the environment. He doesn't have to change to make it. So he is still being true to himself with the way he is acting. I'm sure behind closed doors, he's very different to the way he is perhaps on the touchline and the way he is in, you know, in his training sessions, for example. I don't see this argument that Des needs to start flapping his arms around that all of a sudden everyone's going to get behind him. All I'm saying is a bit more energy and emotion channeled in the right, not Carl Robinson, 
but channeled in yeah, the right way agreed. in the right places whether it's an interview if you if it's an interview but you hear that passion coming through in a bit of energy in the words hmm. and acknowledging some of the shortcomings of a performance um he's got a bit of a, on the radio in that sense perhaps what he was yeah. he started i know it's i know his pre-game stuff isn't but then not many well, managers you, are but still you also got to remember that he's he's never been in this situation before like he's, he's never managed yeah. in the EFL and James you and I have talked about this before that he gave that interview in the Guardian where he talked about how he's managing the team in India and how he did have to do so much work to kind of get the players to be less subservient and less sort of yeah. like do exactly what they were told and all those sort of things and I was reading it going like that's a bit of an alarm bell because you're not going to get that in English football <laughs> you're not going to get any players sort of they'll be you know, you hear it, you hear it talks about players. They judge a manager from moment one. Now, I'm not saying that's therefore he's not qualified to come and do the job at Oxford. I'm just saying that this is a whole new space for him. So, yeah, it, it's about it's going to be one of those things that he's going to have to adapt how he's done things before to a situation that's very new. And he's been da- and he got a bad set of set of cards back to the last pod or the one before that was making a lot of shit card jokes. Yeah and it, it's but, all <laughs> he's, but it, he's not had a he's not had a good run into it and I'm not yeah it's ridiculous to talk about getting rid of him. It's just people lacking enough steam. We have still played this season Manning was in charge for fifteen games, won ten of them. Des has already been in charge for nineteen league games, won half of the, that amount, so won five, drawn seven, lost seven. So the win column is the lowest of all. Um, he's won one in. We won one in nine, I think, at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, and We're hearing yeah. that, just about the last thing I'll say on his his words, what Des is saying after games, the narrative of can we're where we want to be. We're still where we want to be. It. I kind of know what he means, <laughs> but when you've won one in nine. And the quality of the league mm-hmm. around you is there for all to see because everyone know we're not stupid. Like you know, the fans aren't stupid; they understand what's happening this season in this league. It doesn't. It doesn't work well. And that's, and that's, dri- t- that's driving the apathy a lot. The realization that we are missing a massive opportunity here to get promoted. What that brings in terms of stadium momentum, what it brings in terms of money, gets people out of the, the funk of being in League One and all that sort of stuff. It's, I don't think it's to be underestimated at all, but you can you can really can like destroy most of the games we played in like the Wigan the only the, well, the one win in nine or whatever it is the Wigan game, <laughs> Wigan game was an absolute farce like we mm. did score some amazing <laughs> goals but it was an absolute like shambles all the way through and it was just the fact that Wigan are a bit of a open mess they it can either yeah. they can either do a job on you like they did away or they'll let you in and it'll be chaos and it might be 4-2 to you or it might be 2-4-2 to them. Um, so that, to me, wasn't evidence of any progress. And Northampton wasn't evidence of progress coming way back to a conversation at the start because, yeah, if we'd won 2-1, it would have been, we won 2-1 playing a very, very weird formation that clearly wasn't sustainable and back to Brannigan as a blooming holding midfielder and all that crap again. Like, I just haven't seen anything that suggests that even a half... Even Blackpool, which I went to, the second half of Blackpool, I was like, actually, no, I can start to see this. This is kind of we've clicked, and it was looking like yeah, a that team. was but, that was good performance for the most part, wasn't it? And it, that was the thing because that energy had been put into that game, and we were competitive throughout. And it, it, 
the fans really got on side, didn't well, they? Bowden after the game, scored as well. that header. I know. My God, I would have. I would have been like, right, this is that's that's the complete performance. I mean, right, the first twenty minutes of the game, it was a standard away game. We were under pressure, and we were lucky to score off that corner. Brilliant finish from Harris, to be fair. But uh, yeah, if we'd won that the Blackpool game, I have a feeling that would have helped an awful lot. Jack, where where do you think if you were watching? The an Oxford players WhatsApp group at the moment. I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, do you, do you feel like Des isn't in there? Do you do you? It's hard to it's hard to answer this. I think. But what do you think they are feeling? What based on what they're showing on the pitch? Do you think they're engaged? Do you think they're bought in? Do you think? It, are you seeing enough there? I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I'm not convinced. They, they themselves are overly convinced with what they're being asked to do. But to Connor's point, you can list a number of players who have dropped off quite uh, dramatically from uh, earlier on in the season. They, I just scribbled a few down, people like Bodin. Well, that's been his entire career with us, his good spells, inconsistent spells. McGuane, similar. How many times have we had the McGuane discussion on this pod and wanting to see more? Rodriguez, I kind of expected a drop-off. The nature of the two-league jump, being that kind of flary winger, attacking mid, creative. They don't play 46 games at top top level, otherwise they're not at this level. Sam Long, repeat McGuane. How many times have we talked about Sam Long and is he the right fullback to be in a promotion-winning team from this league? A few Matete not played for a year. Am I surprised that he's not quite hit the ground running yeah. or looks patchy? Probably not. But actually, we could have probably ten games ago predicted a lot of that to happen anyway. So I try put put that to one side and look at what has happened and to the what they say in the WhatsApp question. I don't know. They, they just look like they've lost a little bit of belief about how good they they were. Although I do think the results under Manning probably glossed over some of the performances at times. And I don't think we ever were the second best team in the league. I think it was a good start. Um, And then to the point about how good the quality of the league is, on paper, yes, football's not played on paper, etc., etc. This squad should be in the top six quite comfortably. But going back to that belief point, do they believe it at the moment? Do they believe when they go 1-0 up that they're going to see a game out or go on and win it 2-3-0? It doesn't... It's almost like the players are reflecting a bit of the apathy in the stands. They're a little bit like, oh, we probably are quite good at this, but oh, we've conceded now, or maybe we're not as good as we think we are kind of thing. Mm. And it all just feels a little bit muddled and just the 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 general apathy just seems to be slowly all-consuming a little bit, which is, mm. you know, you have to put a, a line on that at some point. But I don't know how you do that, otherwise wasn't, I'd be a football manager. It wasn't reflected in what Goodrum said at the end of the game against Leighton Orient. When he was quite open with with, uh, with Jerome and suggested that, you know, the players are, you know, confident. The players are quite happy to pick each other up and, you know, they'll work in the right direction. I mean, his little snippet, I think, kind of spoke of... Uh, I suppose a volume about the squad's togetherness and he mentioned that word quite a few times and yes okay you could argue he's saying it because it's just the media and that's what you want to hear but a player like Tyler Goodrum is quite you know he's quite honest isn't he so he's quite raw 
with his media training, etc. He's so young. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's 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 so hard to put your finger on exactly what is going to, pear-shaped for us I, at the moment. I imagine there's a lot of there's a lot of frustration as a group to that point that they're throwing away um, good opportunities where they can say we're better than this lot. Um, to the one going back to Northampton all the time, but when I, after that Goodwin goal went in. You'd like to think the players who were as euphoric and high as we were as a fan base, yet they must be pretty annoyed that they've made a series of mistakes and probably know that they weren't on it enough till the final whistle. Um, they must be picking up on the fact that they are just not quite there in key moments and making bad decisions. There's a lot of like errant passes, like, and they must know and pick up on these. Like, we're just not really winning enough balls. We're not playing enough passes. Like, you're not quite where I think you are. They, there's still this sort of it's not hot potato quite at this point which you made earlier James but I still think there's a degree of like not that I want a sort of robotic you know to use a cliche patterns of play under Manning but I still don't feel they've got a framework to operate from so they sort of have to get the ball and then go right there's usually a couple of things you pick up on isn't there that's what I always come back to whether it's a centre back a Rob Dickey bringing it out from the back or whether it's when we had Marvin Johnson as left back or Bulldog on the other side, or whether there's, <laughs> if it is Ruben through the middle, or James Henry connecting up to Matty Taylor in a mag, there's usually something where you can draw on something where the pattern of play often gets in, you into certain positions where you go, ah, that's that's a bit of what we do. You see that game in, game out. And that it's, this it's season, one, one of them was McGwain. Go on. The Diags have come out this year quite a lot since Buckingham's come in. That's the only thing I can really pinpoint, to be fair, is that because we've we've tried to shuffle it one side, get another team to break out, but to move with us, and then there was often a, a winger that kind of stays high and wide at the other side and try and switch out to them. I think that's probably one, one I suppose, oh, I don't know what you want to call it, pattern of play or whatever, like you say, a cliche yeah. that, I've, that I've noticed quite clearly, particularly with Murphy and actually... Um, at the time, Bury as well when he did play. Um, obviously, I, his I mean, his appearance is strange. But... I think that is really frustrating because I think his That's physicality was, was that, adding James. a lot to that side of things. Murphy's so funny; like he's just going from like brilliance to. Do you remember that? I can't remember which game it was, but we were watching it all, and we were just like, "He is so annoying." <laughs> he, gave, he got into so many good positions and then just like did nothing, and then. What, last couple of games he scored absolute belters and you'd go yeah we need to persevere with him because he's got individual class he should have could... had a couple of assists as well that he's always putting mm. really yeah, good crosses is... into the six yard box where people just aren't finishing them um, mm. but yeah Barry one's the interesting one thing... isn't it the... sorry yeah. the... that's alright the one the one thing I find kind of frustrating I suppose with Oxford at the moment is how um, how little we can sustain an attack like I know we're not a side that wants to play on the edge of the, on, on the edge of the opposition's box for the entire 90 minutes but I, I have found in the in recent weeks that there's been very 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 few occasions where perhaps we've not quite got into the right area and then the recycle the recycle of that of that move has resulted in us going so far back rather than trying to retain the ball around Absolutely. the final third. I find that yeah. perhaps one of the strangest things I've noticed in comparison to what it was like with Manning. 
because under yeah. Manning, I and think you see it the Rodriguez other way though. played a higher role there. Yeah, you yeah. see it the other way, definitely. Bristol Rovers yeah, away. 100%. I remember getting yeah. pummeled in, and Barnsley yeah. when they beat us at home first half were just doing it again, keeping us in the, there. And you were like, the we con- can't get yeah. the ball out. The concept of sustained pressure applied by an Oxford United team isn't a concept <laughs> at the moment, as you say, because it. It seems to be if we don't create a chance from the first attacking wave, reset. It's gone. Try and create yeah. another wave rather than building on. It's energy. It's intensity. It, and I, this is the thing I keep coming back to. And I'm again, I still think your your management, your tactics, the coaches, everyone has to it's take bu- play a role in that. <laughs> I'm joking. No, because like it, it just. I'm and it, it's the thing if players aren't bringing that intensity you take them off you like drop Ruben and I know he has has he he's rested Ruben he rested him yeah, and he scored he came on and yeah. scored didn't he and then he started the last three after mm-hmm. that I, I just think that there's and I know we've had injuries but players are back and as we've said Tyler Berry's had a good start and he's not even getting in the squad all of a sudden you just yeah, want to that... see those decisions being made about some of that that's got to be some um, sort of internal tr- like yeah. training or not training well enough or something isn't it I, th- I think it's hard to read into those things at times because you you know you it doesn't want to hang out substitute he? spots no exactly and you don't want to do that that's, that's the last thing the manager wants to do especially if your team's not performing very well the last thing you want to do is start throwing new players under the bus yeah I just I as a fan and I think every fan all the people calling up wasn't at the game and saying I work hard all week. Oxa gives me my gives me the release. I, I want to see players really working for that shirt. And we know that they've got the ability and sometimes they won't always be able to show it. It's just the application sometimes. And if you don't get... Sometimes I've been watching games and I couldn't even... For the first time, and I don't know how long, I just decided I, I'm not going to watch the Orient game because I, I, could, I needed to just enjoy my weekend. Um... I try and have a great choice. And I, it's because, a bit, it really was a great choice, and, but it was all extremely predictable. And the, the thing is, I just can't. I struggle to watch where I don't think that all the effort's being put in, and that's the only thing that I am really more worried about than anything else. Is I just don't think the intensity's there in the displays. Did, the Orient game though yeah. summed up like so. The first goal, to me, if that's goal. De- if that's Des, if that's Des ball, if that's in term, great. I'm all for, I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. Then Fluid count. their first goal looked lovely, but should never in a million years have have happened. Um, and their second goal, I mean, Long decides he's going to block our own defender off from covering, so that guy can actually shoot in. And it became the complete epitome of where the season is of the two sides of it. Um, so it was a great decision to not to not watch it, but it's. There was hope in there for sure, and I, there, there were periods where it was it was fine. But it's yeah, I'm repeating myself because I've come back to this point about progression and more sustained moments, and I think that's an important point. In a yeah, in a weird way, how things work. I was reflecting on what the season ticket campaign was at the start of this season, and it was the whole "What is your why?" Um, campaign, and you know, my why is it. I get to bring, uh, I come to the game to see my fellow Oxford supporters. I come to be entertained. I come to show pride. I come because I'm engaged with the club. 
a lot of those answers to what is your why that were given in August time, I bet a lot of them have been removed for people at the moment. The football's not as entertaining as we have seen in previous seasons. The engagement with the club we've spoken about, uh, we've just talked about not wanting to watch the game because we kind of don't feel that desire to watch it. Oh, do we feel completely tied to the club at the minute? Probably not. If you went and told that to a championship fan, you'd look at the table and go, you boys are doing well this year, aren't you? You're sat in sixth. <laughs> and then gave them all that. They, they just wouldn't understand it yet. Somehow we've got in this place where we've just spent, what, 45 minutes talking about what's what's not right here, be it on the pitch, be it off the pitch. and it. But it, it's probably because we've won five games out of 19 yeah, but, uh, at but, the point where we had such a good but last, platform that we're not used to having. It's, no, it's, we don't it, start. it's true, but last year when we didn't win for 11, we just talked about how bad it was on the pitch. We didn't go down the whole apathetic with everything route. It's true. It's, it, and that's the... The, the, I think Adam Slade in the Yorkshire Yellows chat said, what's the progress from... Is it, is it a year today since Carmichael got sacked? A year this mm. week anyway. Yeah. What is the progress? In position terms, quite big progress. Feeling as a fan, confused. Uh, progress off the pitch. Obviously, stadium's taken a massive step forward the application going in, but other bits less so. But people aren't associating Des, though, with... The reason why we're in the position we're in this season, in a way, that's the thing that I think is difficult for him. Yeah, and I think. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you just if you just that, look at our form since Des has been here, we're lower mid table, aren't we? Yeah, and I and I think then the other things compound that to a you can't see the step change improvement factor. We're all very quite pessimistic. I thought like, here's the blatant question: Do you think we'll make the playoffs as of today? Do you think we'll make the playoffs, James? No, John. I think we'll be just out. Close. Yes, I, th- I think we'll. I think we will. Connor. Yes, we'll finish sixth. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> there we go. Let's, let's end it now. Two bits of positivity. Job done. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I retain faith that we have got. To your point about progress, the squad is exponentially better in only a window, two windows, than it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very true. 18, 18 months that. ago. That's, um, that's how I feel, John, as well. So. But then I'll just repeat myself with all the issues that I'm not seeing the team do. So the, the switch does need to flick. I think the interesting thing is if we won three on the bounce, unless they were all like, you know, we just destroyed some teams, I don't think it would change much of the apathy feel around some of the other stuff. And that's, I think, more concerning. That's basically I'd like all- to ask you all this question after. So we played two games more than Stevenage, right? And yeah. I know it's Stevenage. Um, Black Leighton and Orient have just kind of started coming back into it, game in hand to maybe claw back some space. We've got Bolton and Pompey, haven't we? Two of our next three. So I do think after those three games, it'd be good, interesting to see how we answer that question. It'd be great. Yeah, I- we've got Cheltenham in the middle, haven't we? The Cheltenham? Yeah, yeah Cheltenham sandwich. Yeah. Rapidly picked up. Yeah. A leather, yeah, exactly. That's not an easy yeah, game. Now. M Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I looked on um, when I was going through 30 stats, the the site we pull a lot of stuff out of. Um, he has got the best uh, minute to goal <laughs> ratio of anyone in the league at the moment. <laughs> I was like, oh, Matt Taylor, he looks good. Um, they were giving <laughs> him a bit of shit, market. weren't they, as well? Cheltenham fans, when he signed. They were like, what is this? Cancel everything. Um, 
Yeah, I do think it, it it's been it looks harder to miss the playoffs if you just look at the table at face value because of how segregated people are below it. But yeah, if fingers if crossed. Everybody else right. wasn't so crap as well. <laughs> Parking like well, obviously Portsmouth not crap, it, but it, I think it's not like everyone is, else the, is just the, moving away. Oh, sorry, John. Sorry. Yeah, I think. I think the thing is, is that the points are on the board for Oxford at the moment. You know, the points are there. We played thirty-five, yes, but we've got the points in the bag. You know, the the impetus and the pressure is on Stevenage. You know, they're the team that got to get the points to to creep up on us or overtake us. So at least we've got the points in the bag per se. They're on the board. But I think to your point, James, I think in three games' time, I think depending on the answer, uh, depending on the results, sorry, my even my answer of finishing sixth might be altered. So well, we could be out of the playoffs tomorrow, couldn't we? It's, yeah. yeah, it's crunch time again, isn't it? It's the same old thing. It's you know, last was it last eleven games of the season, whatever it is. So it's like now, it's now or never, really, isn't it? To start picking up these results, especially given the fact that we play um, Stevenage and Peterborough in two of the last three games of the season, which could be make or break, really. But it could be broken before then if we're not careful. So, yeah. Yeah. Results need to change clearly because we need to have some sort of uplift. As clearly as we did... dissected in this podcast, off the pitch, it's not going particularly well, and on it, it's not going particularly well, performance-wise. I really, results. I really believed within this run that we we've just come off. Well, I, I believed that we will. We had to what John said. We have the players to go on a run where it starts to yeah. click and the energy starts to come back, the confidence is there, Ruben gets a couple of assists and a goal in the game, or just I just felt something would kick us on, and I haven't seen that. And it's crazy because of where Mark Harris has <laughs> found himself as well. He's really kicked himself on into double figures, could head towards 20. You'd never have called that at one point, well, and Josh we're still Murphy here. Josh like, currently our possibly yeah. most important player. <laughs> And Elliot Moore's a massive miss, isn't it? Like, I didn't think I've realised how much of a miss he is when he's not there. But um, <sighs> Pompey on Saturday, then they they had a bit of a wobble that didn't look like it was coming, um, where they only won one out of six games, um, kind of late December into mid Jan. But then since then, they've won six, won six and drawn two coming into playing us. Um, include yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of people were saying, wouldn't it be Oxford United to go to Fratton Park? And I'm like, no, not really. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> give me some examples of where we do. I can think of one example: I mean, Chesterfield get, away yeah, when we yeah. first came to League Steve Two. Steve McLean standing on the ball. Steve, no, that oh, was Torquay, was it? But there was we went to Chesterfield away when they were top of the league and we were floundering around, and. Um, we beat him 2-1 and that was an example of doing that but otherwise if I'm going back to 2000 and what's that 10 um, yeah also they've got some hard matches they've got Blackpool Peterborough Barnsley Derby Wickham in their next seven games we've always had close games against them and like I said the game at home I was looking at it going, they're there for the take. I mean, we oh, scored, we won them up, weren't we? Yeah. As well. Um, 
What happened Strangely, in that game? James Henry equalised late on, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Last minute equaliser. Yeah. I strangely think actually going away from home will do us a favour. To be honest. Weirdly. Yeah, I, I just think, think so. At the moment, we're having a real struggling time at the Kassam. I think we're. You know, I think um, Jerome alluded to it in his little chat with Tyler, Tyler Goodrum again that I'm referring to, and uh, I think I think he might be right. I think we are having a bit of a tough time at home. I don't say the atmospheres. Not particularly great, it never has been. I'm not and that's not a slate of Oxford fans at all. That's just generally, you know, the stadium never has been a place that we've kind of classed as a as a, as a rocking venue. But um away. It wasn't bad at or uh, home to Orient though, was it? It sounded no, like it, it turned right. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Lots of it, 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 people talking about yeah. it. Yeah. I think again, it goes goes back to a point that was um raised on the radio is the idea of actually, you know, that was only this the second home game in the last I think was it three months that we've had a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. That's nuts. So, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. wrote it's, something it's about insane. that as well, didn't they? Yeah, um, I think Jerome and um, and Nick discussed it on the radio before the game against Leyton Orient, and you know that 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 in itself is also is a massive, you know, has a massive a massive impact on the way fans are in the stadium because we have this idea that under the lights is magical. When in reality it's not. <laughs> not many clubs are really like that. I don't smell really the like sewage plant personally. coming over. Uh, you just put it work the all day. Like, lights flittering. Yeah. In the distance. Exactly. Um, but I, I think I think hopefully it will do us a favour being away from home. I think on Saturday. Going back to my original point, and hopefully we can at least sneak away with some. Yeah, you know, put another point on the board. Yeah. Um, just atmosphere, John Blackpool seemed pretty good as well. Was it? We took a, over a thousand. As, yeah, no, Blackpool was, you wouldn't have told there was any issue. I mean, it was a bright sunny day in Blackpool, which I think always helps in Blackpool particularly. Um, but no, it was good, good atmosphere beforehand. Um, I don't out. think I could have survived the Bowdoin um, header if I was there. I'm quite a dweller at games. You know, if something happens and I think if you replayed that moment 10 times, he scores nine and a half of them. I think what saved us live, mm-hmm. maybe it was the angle we were stood at, is it looked like it was harder than it was. <laughs> like seeing the replay later that night was more oh painful my God. at the time. It was like... Um, just kind of lobbed himself at it. Just the whole, yeah. all of him. Just done a little forward roll or something. It'd have been fine. Anyway. James, you'll start um, bringing up James, James Henry at Wembley at this rate, so just stop yourself <laughs> now. I saw someone post. <laughs> it does come back every now and then, doesn't it? If only. Why did he pass? Why did he? I find it funny now. <laughs> I enjoy it. I didn't. I didn't. I still stand by. I didn't want to get promoted like that. Awful. No, I agree. Awful way to do it. In front of no one, banana man there cheering you on. <laughs> Screw that. Right. Um, maybe we lads, we should do a pod um, if we do another eight games we'll pretty much be at the end of the season won't we 11, 11 games left end of season round up it does sound quite attractive though to me at the moment maybe one I think one last pod after, after Bolton maybe well, yeah massive, I think massive, I'm going to go to that massive 10 days isn't it starting at Fratton Park fans forum into a Cheltenham game and then Bolton on Sky come on Des what could possibly I want Des to turn wrong? it around <laughs> It does. No, it just... does feel like that. This could be the, yeah, like or it. It this could yeah kill every Turn hope going or increase it all again. It's good. It's good win fit. And that's football for or, you, isn't it, Jack? Is there a complete slight tangent? <laughs> I know we're trying to end. But is he? Is he fit? <laughs> um, 
Good, good win. win. Can he start on um, Saturday? I assume so. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't mind like seeing it at some point. I wonder if he can play against Cheltenham or have we got an Owen Dale going on. Yeah. I, 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 want to see, I want to see Harris play on the right-hand side, to be honest, and give Goodwin up, up to the top. I don't buy the Harris on the right-hand side stuff. <laughs> Let's not start a deep discussion the, one hour yeah. 12 in. <laughs> yeah, I, I like... I, <laughs> I just don't see how you drop Harris personally because I just think his press and his he's not. He won't drop. He won't is too drop good. Harris. I don't yeah. think you don't drop unless Harris. there's a team that's, that's the that just play. Unless we play two up front. Pom- if Pompey still got um, what's their centre back that always seems to play well against us? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Scores yeah, against us as well. But he's the type of player that you would imagine a good win to go up against and yeah. maybe cause him yeah, a little bit of other. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that. With less teeth. I, I'm in the camp of play. I'd put Harris on the right and just see if his pace gets him in behind. But it's more because nothing else is working. But maybe Murphy is doing all right and Goodrum's doing all right. So actually, it's the rest of the team. Sort your midfield out. So it's the midfield. It's always it's the midfield. midfield. Yeah. Best place on the pitch, but just also the most frustrating. Final thing from what you've seen of Matete, where would you rank him in on the rotter scale, John? One to ten. Well, he's a modern day classy rotter, isn't he? So, like, he's got <laughs> a potential with a yeah. d- diploma. <laughs> rotter. Rotter. <laughs> a rotisserie. Um, he, he, could be, he could be nine, nine out of ten. Um, but he looks like he's not sure exactly what his role is supposed to be. And sometimes he's in a two, sometimes he's in a one. It's, it's, it's a bit of a mess. He also looked absolutely knackered on Saturday. Yeah. So Did you can tell he hasn't played many games in the last year, which he hasn't, but he looked knackered. And I you can't may, believe I heard some, some people moaning about his substitution for him coming off because he was out of it by 55 minutes and he stayed on but until the 75th. He was chomping people in a, in a, and I was loving it. So, <laughs> Yes! I'm, I'm yeah. Holding out. Again! Lovely. <laughs> right. I feel like I've been on an emotional journey. And it's all come back. I feel happy again. I think we all got a few I mean, rants off our chests as well. It was quite yeah. ranty, part. I liked it. It was. Um, everyone listening, get behind Des. Get behind the club. Um, let's see what we can do between now and the end of the season. We can do it. I believe. Well, I didn't believe earlier. <laughs> I still don't really. But just get behind the club anyway. <laughs> I don't know that, James. Come on. <laughs> Uh, come on, you yellows. I should do the outro. <laughs> Get everyone pumped. <laughs> See you at Portsmouth. Come on, you yellows. Mm-hmm.